presented by Amazon. Hey, good morning, playbookers. I'm Raguman Avalon. It's Thursday. In today's show, what we know and what we don't when it comes to Ukraine. It's your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. Just before 6 a.m. Moscow time, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced in a televised speech that his forces were entering Ukraine. Within moments, dissonant explosions were heard by reporters stationed in Kyiv and cities throughout the country. President Joe Biden, in a statement, called it, quote, an unprovoked and unjustified attack by Russian military forces. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba said on Twitter that, quote, Putin has just launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Later, he added a to-do list for outside nations that included devastating sanctions, fully isolate Russia by all means in all formats, and weapons, equipment, financial and humanitarian assistance for Ukraine. A U.S. official said that, quote, full-scale sanctions against Russia would be announced today. Politico's Alex Ward is here to talk about the situation in Ukraine. He's our national security reporter and anchor of our national security daily newsletter. Alex, how's it going? I've been better. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Shortly after news of attacks on Ukraine broke, Biden announced he would address the U.S. public today to outline what he called consequences for Russia, calling the attack unprovoked and unjustified. Uh, what have you been hearing about what we'll be hearing today? Well, we're definitely going to see more and very intense sanctions on Russia. Mm. Uh, these will be done in coordination with allies, and they're going to strike at the heart of the Russian financial, financial system. Uh, while I don't have any proprietary information as of this moment, I think it's fair to assume, though, that two of Russia's most important banks, Sparebank and VTB, will be sanctioned since they hold about $750 billion in Russia's assets, about you know, half of their total. Uh, you'll probably see members of Putin's inner circle totally sanctioned, probably have their assets frozen so they cannot you know, go to their luxury apartments in London or get a massage in Germany or anything like that. Um, and then you will probably also see export controls on technologies going to Russia. And that could include semiconductors made with U.S. parts or with U.S. IP. Mm. And we've got three Asian partners willing to join us in this effort, Japan, Singapore, Taiwan, who will block their semiconductors, again, with U.S. IP or, or components from going to Russia, which could, again, uh, hurt industry and the military. So, Again, it's not proprietary information that I have, but based on my many conversations with sanctions experts and, and, and Biden administration officials, this seems like something or something along these lines, like this level of severity is, is coming down the line. A lot of the conversation this week has been about how the U.S. would ramp up sanctions throughout the week, depending on Russia's actions, right? Uh, on a scale to one to 10, where do you see these sanctions lie? I know there's a lot to talk about. The next, day, the next move they do, we need to push things to 11. But what do you think we're at right now? I think these would be about an 8. And the ones mm. that we saw uh, earlier were probably about a 4. Mm. Um, I think the, the, the strategy here was, you know, Russian troops had entered the Donbass, sections of which were occupied by two breakaway regions that Moscow has backed and that have claimed that they are effectively part of Russia. Mm -hmm. Putin recognized those places independent and then sent troops there. And after doing so, the U.S., Europe, Canada, Japan, a bunch of others imposed sanctions on Russia. Kind of that, again, that four-level sanctions to say, mm -hmm. hey, don't go any further. Because the strategy here was really commensurate, let's say, right? Like do an escalation ladder. Well, if you are bombing Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, and Kharkiv, and Odessa, and you've got troops coming over the border— um, and possibly hundreds of casualties. Well, you can't 
you know, that's an escalation. You can't really not do much. Uh, so I think they're going to go up to about an eight, I would say. Uh, but they've got to reserve more because they, you know, Russian troops actually entering in Kiev and trying to topple the government would would should garner more. You don't want to run out of running room here. Um, by the way, I think sort of the nuclear option of all this would be sanctioning Russia's central bank, which if hmm. it does so, like a full blockade of that, that means they won't have access to the U.S. dollar, which means like the Russian economy is done. Like that would just be cutting Russia off from from the global financial system. Uh, I don't think we're there yet, but I would suspect sort of a tier or two tiers below that is what we're going to say. Alex Ward, national security reporter, anchor of NatSec Daily here at Politico. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, wish it were uh, for a better situation. There are some big things we still don't yet know. Number one, what's the scale of the occupation? Russian forces entered Ukraine from multiple points far from Donbass, but it's still unclear if the worst case scenario, decapitating the government in Kyiv and occupying all of Ukraine, is Putin's ultimate plan. Two, what happens to world energy markets? Oil and gas prices have been spiking to near record highs as the crisis has worsened. Oil traded above $100 a barrel for the first time since 2014. And Putin can weaponize his oil and gas supplies by holding back exports and artificially driving up prices further. In recent days, Biden has warned inflation-weary Americans to expect the added sacrifice of even higher gasoline prices. 3. Will Europe face a refugee crisis? U.S. officials have been warning that a major Russia-Ukraine war could displace millions of people, sending waves of refugees into Central Europe. 4. What are the domestic political implications for Biden? There hasn't been a significant cross-party rally around the flag effect since those experienced by President George W. Bush after 9-11, the first days of the war in Iraq, and the capture of Saddam Hussein. The prospects for widespread GOP approval are slim, but it's conceivable Biden could recover some of the goodwill he's lost, especially among Democrats and independents. In Congress, the debate over sanctions may now be less partisan as the difference in severity between Biden and GOP proposals narrow. But the debate over how to aid the military in Ukraine may widen. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House. At 9 a.m. Eastern, President Joe Biden will participate in a virtual G7 leaders meeting to discuss the Russia-Ukraine conflict and priorities of Germany's G7 presidency year, with Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen also in attendance. At 11.15, Biden will receive the president's daily brief. At noon, Biden will speak to the American people from the White House. Press Secretary Tensaki will brief at 2 p.m. The House and the Senate are out today. All right, one last thing before we get out of here. This comes from the New York Times, quote, NATO will hold an emergency session Thursday morning to discuss the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which was condemned as a reckless and unprovoked attack on Ukraine, which puts at risk countless civilian lives. Jan Stoltenberg, NATO Security General, said in a statement, quote, This is a grave breach of international law and a serious threat to Euro-Atlantic security, he said, adding that, quote, NATO will do all it takes to protect and defend all allies. For more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Raghu Munavalan. Have a good Thursday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. The federal minimum wage has been stuck at $7.25 an hour since 2009. In the same time, food and beverage costs have increased 18 percent, transportation costs up 16 percent, housing costs up 23 percent, and medical costs up 32 percent. 
In 2018, Amazon introduced a starting wage of at least $15 an hour for all U.S. employees. A new, independent study found that Amazon's wage increase produced a 2.6% increase in the average hourly wage among other employers in the same market. Learn more at aboutamazon.com slash 15 